CTE Soccer Women's World Cup podcast, sponsored by Cadbury. For grassroots to national level, a supporter and a half of women's football in Ireland. Turn the world round, shut the show down. I was spinning, couldn't slow down. On the roll now. All right, welcome along to the RT Soccer Women's World Cup podcast. Raf Giallo here and joined by Ireland International Rihanna Jarrett as we run the rule over the Girls in Greens World Cup campaign as, to, as they begin to make their way home after the nil-all draw against Nigeria, which in itself secured Ireland's first point in a major tournament and also first clean sheet as well. And uh, Rihanna, you were on hand uh, to watch that and you've been following the team around Australia as the group stages have gone on and just want to get your thoughts on on the match as it played out tactically what did you make of it what did you make of the changes especially like the box midfield and um how Ireland evolved in, in comparison to the the previous two games yeah obviously it was a completely different game than, than the other two games and we kind of figured it would be um I think if you look at the Nigerians and if you look at ourselves we're Typically, two teams that are used to being out of possession and, and look to kind of catch the teams kind of on the break or, or when you win the ball back. And I think that you've seen that with the Nigerians. They were more than happy to sit off us, especially in that second half. And we we had all the possession. Um, FIFA were throwing up stats throughout throughout the first half and we, we dominated possession. We probably had a lot more forced turnovers than, than we would have liked um, in terms of un, unforced like. And unforced errors, like giving the ball away needlessly. And I felt that in that first half, especially, that was the only time that the Nigerians looked like threatening us. And I think we got away with one early in the second, in the first half, um, where I think Louise Quinn gave away the ball and and they broke and they dragged it wide. Um, but other than that, I thought we were, we were positive in the first half, but we kind of looked like for all the possession we have, we we were lacking in that final third, um, which is kind of to be expected based on how we play and. And probably how the team prepare for games um in in camp in general, not not only in this tournament. Um so in the second half then we, we never really came out of the blocks. We kind of struggled to deal with them a little bit and, and obviously Courtney made a, a world class save to to keep the game at nil nil. Um in terms of formation and, and, and the little changes that we had, obviously you've seen Liliad coming into midfield and I thought she'd done well at times. Um obviously you've seen Denise playing more in that kind of wider, kind of in-the-pocket spaces, as we would, would call it. And it was good when we got her on the ball. Um, I thought at times it was it was good and, and similar. We're having Katie and Sinead linking up in that first half, but it's just that final detail of the movement for the player on the ball and, and what we do in that final third that, that let us down. And I think that we've been talking about that kind of kind of all competition. Yeah, and obviously the uh, one of the stories that have emanated from it, of course, was what happened in the 17th minute, which uh, sort of happened off camera for those who were watching on um, TV. Just George Hamilton uh, mentioned it in commentary that Katie McCabe had approached the, the sideline to talk to Vera Pau about uh, potentially bringing on substitutes. And this was then later uh, discussed in the press conference, which we can listen to now, that Vera Pau outlined and was asked about what happened there and uh you know what Katie McCabe had asked of her and her own response. So let's listen to that first and then we'll we'll discuss. Oh, hi Vera Dave Kelly Irish Independent. And just in terms of the strategy from the bench, maybe if you could if you could explain it compared to um last week, two different games obviously, but if you can maybe just explain that it seems um Katie McCabe was quite vociferous in trying to get some changes onto the onto the field, but they, they seem to have come much later than uh, the last game, probably different circumstances. Why would we change? That, that's why I'm asking you the question. I don't yeah. know what the difference is. If says that yeah. she wants to change, it doesn't mean she's not the coach. Yeah? Um, everybody was doing so well. So I said, what do you want, Katie, taking the best player off? No. 
But that um, a player a player is allowed to be emotional and players allowed to to say that that's fine. But um, I during the game I do a step back and I analyze and uh, we make changes the moment that it's uh, necessary. Uh, just and if Gavin. you want to know why we made the changes, yeah, I'm happy to explain that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have brought on um, Abby Larkin and Marissa Shiva. Marissa Shiva to have the power forward. Um, the legs of Heather were, yeah, the, at the end of the game were less, and we needed the, the pace over there. Um, that was, uh, I think, a brave decision because uh, she has only played a little spell, but she brought that into uh, the game and into the training sessions. We've worked with video with her on the role there um, so that she could play that role. And Abby Larkin, we played there because there were more and more spaces in between those lines with the knees then being able to switch play because we couldn't sp switch play anymore. So to have a pocket play in front with the knees then with a the role to switch play so that we could pressure forward it again because the pressure forward was starting to lack. Um, that's uh, a change uh, paid off because uh, immediately from that start she understood her role. We, we gave her that message. That is why to play there to constantly change the play. Um, and she did that. Uh, Vera Gavin Komsky from the Irish Times. Um, I think it, lead, it, it led to more pressure forward. Eh? I need to see it back, but it led in, immediately to more pressure forward, I think. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, just, to, just to confirm there, so your captain, Katie McCabe, asked you to make changes and you refused. Is that correct? Fair no, comment? No, no. <laughs> no, because a, a, a player doesn't ask and you refuse. A player can ask always, but as a coach, it's not a refusal. As a coach, you make decisions on what is necessary. A player can say everything to a coach, at least to me. What did she say? That she wanted, that she wanted uh, fresh legs, yeah, and on her side. And, and why didn't you make that change? Because everybody was doing so well, Sinead uh, Farelli was arguably the best player on the pitch at that moment, so I was not prepared to take the best player off. All right, so that is Republic of Ireland manager uh, Vera Pau, of course, and Rihanna. You've um, you've been you you know you've you were part of uh, you've been part of her squads as well. So you, you, I'm sure you and obviously you know Katie um, years through the through the age groups as well. I suppose the first question in terms of like players and especially like captains approaching managers on a sideline, just um, to maybe suggest substitutions. I'd imagine that is quite commonplace. I'd imagine. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's it's quite normal. Um, I think in in a lot of teams that, that that I've played in and and played around, I think that managers and and captains having conversations that like managers have conversations with their captains that they'd have with their assistants that they'd have with like their other coaching staff. Like captains are are heavily involved in 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 the dynamics sometimes, and and managers do turn to their captain for their thoughts and their opinions. And and I do believe that that Vera does link in with Katie on a lot of things. I think that. What happened yesterday isn't out of the norm. Um, I think it happens in a lot of teams. Just because a player asks for something to happen, it doesn't always mean that the manager makes that decision. That was Katie's opinion, and I think the opinion of, of others watching on from the outside as well, that probably players did look a little bit leggy. Um, obviously, Sinead Farley hasn't played 90 minutes, um, not only for Ireland, but in, in terms of for, for a long, long time. Obviously, she's only just come back in to professional football. She's only just come 
onto the international team. And, and yes, she had, I thought she had a very good game yesterday. I thought her and Katie worked well together. She covered for Katie when Katie went higher and, and they seemed to have a good understanding. Um, but in terms of Katie looking for fresh legs on her side, it was probably to help her get on the ball a little bit more. And I think that Vera kind of touched on that, which was why she put Denise back into the middle was because we weren't switching the play. If we were going down the right-hand side, we weren't being able to get out. I think at times, if you look at the clip from different angles, the game from different angles in the second half, you can see Katie wear hands in the air screaming for the ball to be switched because Katie was in the game so much in the first half and arguably in the second half, she was, she was barely on the ball. Um, so I don't see anything wrong with it. I think probably the biggest issue there was how it was handled. Yes, the, the journalists and the media have every right to ask that question, but I do think that in terms of what went on and, and how it's dealt with is something that probably should have been dealt with in-house. Um, and I think that a lot has been blown out of proportion in that aspect. Obviously, Vera went into full detail and she was quite blunt in terms of what she said and, and how she felt about it. But that's Vera. That's how she deals with the questions. That's how she deals with the media. And we've actually had those topics of conversations throughout about how she's dealt with post-game interviews in terms of addressing mistakes and kind of dropping people's names into things. So I don't understand why people expect it to be any different. Um, but in terms of she probably is something that shouldn't have gone to the media, this shouldn't have been addressed in that way. And that's where people now have a lot to say about the situation and and, and understandably so. So you're saying in terms of Vera Pau, like when the and um, we heard the questions that were asked that she just sort of like shuts it down politely, I guess is maybe, is that what you're kind of suggesting in terms of that's the best way to deal with it as a manager and just keep it... Um, within yeah just just be like that's a conversation between me and my captain um but but as I said like I'm I'm not Vera no one else is Vera but we know how Vera deals with the questions um and and obviously it, it's been blown by our proportions name have names have been dropped and, and and it's just another thing to add to, to to the fire at the minute um to something that, that that's quite visibly um gotten a lot of attention in the media um over over the, the course of the tournament yeah because the other thing that got attention of course was um now i think the the website is now known as x not as twitter you've probably seen that while you're in australia <laughs> and, <laughs> the so, yeah, yeah the world the world is changing the world is changing fast as the sort of cup goes on but um yeah katie mccabe um would have uh I'll, I'll go back to the word tweeted and twitter anyway i think it's the easier easier thing than what i'm more used to she tweeted just that emoji with the um you know the 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 sort of yellow face with the the zip over it, which I think people can, depending on what. Like, and anyway, it's not clear. It says a lot, but doesn't actually say a lot at the same time. So people might read a little bit into it. But um, I suggest it it may be related to that seventeenth minute um situation. So um, whereas Vera Pau says it in a press conference, Katie McCabe's maybe talking about possibly being silenced or having to keep quiet about something. Um, what do you make of that? That it sort of goes on to social media, I guess. Look, that could that speak could be in relation to absolutely anything. Obviously, the timing of it and and how it comes across, and uh, people have jumped to their own conclusions. And and I've been on X or, or Twitter or whatever you want to call it. And I've I've seen all the comments unfold, and like obviously the public are quite fifty fifty in terms of where they stand. But in terms of of everything, I think a lot of things are are based on what's gone on internally. Um, I haven't been a part of the squad for for a long time now, so I have no idea what goes on in house anymore. Um. The public watching on um, have no idea what's what, what's going on and what's gone on. So I think that there's a, a lot of conclusions being made off of very little information. Um, likewise, with, with, with Vera's interview, I think that people pick it up in, in different ways, um, like they have all, all throughout the tournament. Um, 
I think that we could sit here for hours trying to trying to determine what it means or, or, or trying to see what the underlying factor was around it. But unfortunately, we, we, we won't know until things are addressed kind of post-tournament and, and once the girls land back in Dublin and have their homecoming. Um, obviously, I, I gather that a lot of things are going to um, come come forward in in the next few weeks. Um, obviously, Vera is looking for another contract and, and the FAI have been quiet on that. So obviously, we're all aware of that situation. So... Our contract was up at the end of the tournament and, and that's where things are at the minute. And obviously the tournament is up. Camp officially concludes um after the homecoming in Dublin on Thursday. So who knows what's going to happen with anything. But obviously there's a lot of questions being asked now after what has unraveled kind of in the, the hours um after kickoff, after the final whistle yesterday. Yeah, and your own experience of Vera, I suppose, when you, you talk one-on-one about, like, say, the tactical side of a role or just how you fit into a team or whatever it is, like, what is she generally like? Is she hands-on? And also, you know, because we, I think there's always in, you know, there's from the outside, there's always a focus on player-manager relationships, but there's, like, staff in between as well. Like, assistant managers are, are huge in terms of uh, being a bridge. And um, so was she quite hands-on in terms of your own one-on-one dealings? And could you have kind of conversation, you know, just have conversations and, you know, you can come to different conclusions but you know your voice can be heard I think obviously my my time with, with under Vera was, was varied um obviously when she first came in I, I was playing and then it went to a point where I wasn't playing and then it went to a point where I wasn't making the squads before I got injured so I had very different um kind of interactions with her um based off of kind of where where I fitted in the squads um and I think obviously Vera's been in for a long time now she's been in I think it's since 2019, so you're coming up to four years. Um, so I, I, I can't comment on, on how she deals with things now, what her coaching style is like. It may have changed. I said I haven't been involved in the, in the last 18 months. And, and all I can say is that uh, kind of any manager that I've dealt with, they all deal with things differently. Um, they all address things differently. Some are very hands-on. Some prefer their assistants to do more of the coaching. Um, but, but Vera definitely likes to, to kind of take reins on, on that side of things and, she is the the main voice, um, and kind of she will be the one delivering the information in in her way and how she sees fit. Yeah, and as you said, look, and I think everyone's sort of in the dark in in terms of whether Vera Powell will remain in charge or not. And again, as you said, the FAI have been sort of silent on that. I'd imagine the next couple of weeks we'll know. But in uh, regard, but I think yeah, I think on that. Sorry, Raph. I think yeah. that like obviously it all came like these questions were asked pre-tournament, and they decided not to not to sort things out pre-tournament, which is perfectly fine. And I think that the last kind of three weeks should have just been about the football. Um, questions never should have been asked about her future and whether she'll stay on because there was still more football to be played. And I think that the fact that those questions were asked and it's kind of overshadowed things um, kind of the last couple of weeks is, is kind of what I feel on that. And it's taken away from the girls and, and everything that they've done and, and the success and, and the kind of the, the enjoyment um for then and I think that that started pre-tournament as well which is something that obviously we we need to look at and things will be assessed on that sense as well yeah and uh in terms of the the future for Ireland now whether Vera Pau is in charge or not like we've seen we've seen an evolution of the team as the group stages have gone on tactically yes. and it, obviously there will be players who maybe will move on just due to age or where they're at in their career there's also players that were sort of on the fringes who may well come back and who were unlucky to miss the squad in the first place and also some young players who made it like the likes of Abby Larkin so in terms of the evolution obviously the Nations League is next 23rd of September Aviva Stadium what should be a historic day like what do you, what do you expect in terms of the next steps in terms of where the potential of where the squad can go 
I think that the the sky is the limit. I think that we the squad has come so far um in such a short space of time, but I think there's a lot more to come from that squad. And if that's a di- different management involved, then obviously it's an exciting time for not only those players currently involved, but those kind of fringe players or those players that kind of missed out. I think you see it with any team, not just at international level, when a new manager comes in, um, everyone has everything to play for. It's like you get a new lease of life because you have to prove yourself again. Um, there's no there's no opinions formed. It's, it's kind of everyone's starting on, on a fresh slate. And, and as you said, if you look at the amount of players that have featured throughout the qualifiers or been in the squads throughout the qualifiers, there's a lot of players that, that have missed out. And there's a lot of players that have been close to making squads and have been on standby. So in terms of like the pool of players is quite big and obviously different managers want different things from players. They play different systems. They expect different things from squads. But I do think that the future is definitely bright. I think that We've seen the standard that we're at and we're heavily disappointed to have gone out in the group stages because based off of especially those first two games that both teams were there for the take. And I think if you if you look at how the Nigeria game went, the fact that Nigeria qualified in second place kind of makes that hurt that that little bit more. Um, but it's only going to get going to get bigger and better. I think that the back end of the game, the, the back end of the girls, um, as you said, like they're going to play their first ever game in the Aviva Stadium in September at the start of the Nations League. Like, it's just so exciting. I think that that hunger and that thirst, but they also have that invaluable experience now that we've never had before, and, and we've touched on it. And and it, it's you can say it plays its part in, in international football. And as you said, some players will will leave it at that. Some players might not be involved again. But I do think the general sense is there's loads of players that at this tournament will be involved for the next kind of two campaigns. And if you're looking at the Euros and the World Cup, but you'll also have some some young talented players coming through, and maybe some players that that are just now starting to shine and, and ready for that international level as well. Yeah, and uh, I suppose before we go, um, I suppose results elsewhere. Um, earlier today, Portugal and USA drew nil all. Really fascinating game as well. There could have been a huge headline um, if, <laughs> if 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 a ball had gone, you know, maybe a couple of inches uh, the other way for Portugal. Uh, the Netherlands uh, finished the group stage in style, seven nil win over Vietnam. And the highlight show tonight, eight pm, um, Irish time, RT two and the RT player. And then tomorrow's games, uh, rounding out Group G and also Group F. It's um, South Africa against Italy, 8am, Argentina against Sweden, same time, of course, as well. And then the 11 o'clock games in Group F, Panama against France, Jamaica against Brazil. And um, also yesterday, yesterday Japan um, beat Spain very comfortably and probably surprisingly given the margin. But um, who's impressed you most so far in, in terms of the, the the contenders and who's who's underwhelmed for you? And you might be like if you were a supporter of the, one of those nations that you'd be a little bit worried. I think it's kind of varied from kind of game one, game two into game three. Because um, I would have said that initially France were very underwhelming, um, but then they were valued for their win against the Brazilians in the last round. I was fortunate enough to, to go to that game. Um, I would have said I was quite happy, not happy, but like the Germans kind of as their first game went on, they kind of grew from strength to strength. But then Colombia pulled off a, a, a madness win against them, kind of conceded the the equaliser and the penalty and then scored in, in the last stages of the game as well and that, that was amazing we were watching that one in the fan zone with all the Colombia fans um, I think Japan beating Spain was great I think that they've been valued for their two wins as you said um, but I think they were 3-0 up at half time having only touched the ball three times in the Spanish box um, a crazy stat like that but I think probably the, the Americans will probably be more disappointed than anyone else I think that they came in here backing themselves as favourites, as, as confident as they always are. Um, and they were literally 
millimetres away from, from being knocked out of, of the competition by, by Portugal, who have qualified for the first time. I think that's probably the most exciting thing about this tournament is there's so many teams going into these final group games that, that can still qualify. And, and I'm sure there'll be a couple of twists and turns. I think, obviously, Canada going out in our group is something that, that was unexpected, especially by the Canadians. And I think that they're calling now because... There's issues obviously going on behind the scenes in terms of the back end from the Canadian FA and things like that. And I, I think that the margin for error is as little as it's ever been at the Women's World Cup, even though there's more teams in it. And I think that obviously a lot of the games have been quite close, obviously by that Netherlands kind of 7-0 win today. And I think that that's probably the most exciting thing is that this tournament is far from over. I think England are on a rampage here at the minute against... Against China, yeah. Against China as well. So, um, although... I'm trying to just score the panel there. So, um, but yeah, it's it's a, it's a very close competition and it's been very exciting. Um, but but I like Japan. Um, I think that they're they're subtly going about their business. I don't think many teams are are watching them or, or thought that they were favourites. But you have to remember that they won the last World Cup before, um, the US went and won too. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be exciting, and I look forward to to watch it on for the rest of the tournament. Yeah, it was actually the Japan, interestingly, were Sue Ronan's pick when I was talking to her before before the tournament. And so far, obviously, it's very it's very early to to peak at this stage. But if they can sustain it, um, they're they're obviously more than capable. But also every match live on RTE and uh, the RTE player and highlights, etc. on RTE.ie and YouTube. But the other thing as well, as I said, you know, there's that Northern Ireland game, which is probably about seven weeks away. You know, football seem, football does move very quickly. And then I suppose for yourself as well, you know, you come back, you're, you'll be back from Australia and then it's straight back into club action and it's not that far away now yeah no I think we're back the weekend of the 18th um, of August I think we've DLR back in, in the league um, and it's funny that you say that obviously for us we're straight back into things which is great because we've had so long off um, but in terms of like all these players now they're and leaving the World Cup at different stages they'll have their what, like 10 days maybe two weeks off and then they're straight back into club action like I know the WSL doesn't kick off until after the September um, international break, but time goes so fast. You're talking about Ireland, their their next camp is in seven weeks and they've literally just unfolded. Like they're not even back in Dublin yet. Um, seven weeks is, is not a long time in football in terms of they'll go back, they'll get their time off, they'll have their pre-season um, and their first competitive game will be in, in, in the Nations League. Like So so it is crazy. There's always a quick turnaround, but that's that's the time of year that we're in and obviously a lot of a lot of football to be played in, in, in all aspects, both out here and, and, and then post it. But no, I'm I'm looking forward to, to getting back into action um in, in the League of Ireland um and, and getting back to extra duty and getting playing again. Yeah, and actually just in terms of the just before I let you go, actually just in terms of the World Cup impact for the domestic game as well, I imagine, you know, we I've talked about it with a couple of people um well before the tournament, um actually with the P Mount United manager, because he was looking he was hoping that there'd be a fair contingent of domestic based players in the in the Irish squad just as a you know, as sort of bring in a bit of reflective light back. But how do you feel in the long term it will impact, you know, the the league here and the spotlight that it'll give? I think it'll only bring a positive impact, but it's it's what we do off the back of that. It's like how we react to that, and it's probably being more proactive than than reactive. I think now is the time to push it. I think Ireland have had had a great following here in, in Australia, both from fans that are living out here, but um, an unbelievable amount of fans that have travelled the other side of the world to support the girls in green as well. So, I mean, the national league is on on the doorstep for a lot of people, and they don't have to travel too far. 
Um, so it's just get out and support your local team. Get out and support. Like it's obviously great that we had the likes of of Abby Larkin and, and Anya O'Gorman, um, especially Anya, who's been a testament to the league from from the first day it started. Um, to be able to see them play and and they both played uh, at, at the world's biggest stage. Um, so you're talking about like Rovers do a great job at getting fans in the game. So um, they've always got kind of high numbers in in terms of the the national league attendance. And I just think that. That other clubs need to to capitalize on it, and I said needs to be more proactive than 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 reactive in terms of trying to get people in the gate and trying to create kind of like a fun atmosphere, um, and just get more supporters because I I do think it has been better, but you can you can always get better, and it's about just just riding that wave now and and kind of eating up that momentum that that the build up to the World Cup has brought. For sure, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll see the growth of the game continue to balloon, and obviously it'll have a knock on effect on the international scene. But Rihanna, um, you've had a you've had a great time in Australia, and I'm sure a few more days to go <laughs> there as well. So just enjoy the rest of, rest of your time down there, and uh, we'll obviously see you back uh, in the league uh, very shortly as well. But uh, thanks, Emil, for taking the time. Thanks, Jeff. and a half likes, shares, comments and tweets. Cadbury sponsors RTE Soccer Women's World Cup podcast.